We welcome you to the I Believe in Jesus broadcast. So good to be back with you today. I give Jesus Christ thanks for who you are in Christ. To all of my sisters and brothers that believe as I do that Jesus Christ is the one and only living and true God, that he came, was born of a virgin Mary, died on Calvary, bore all our sins and griefs and sorrows, rose on the third day after his death, did everything that he said he would do, even through the old prophets in the Old Testament. Jesus Christ is my Savior, and everyone out there that's listening knows that you must be saved through faith in who Jesus Christ is, accepting him as your personal Savior. We hope that you are pushing through. We hope that the lost will remain listening, those that don't believe as we believe, and we pray that by the end of the broadcast, the Word of God will have touched their hearts and they will ask Jesus to forgive them of all their sins and come into his heart and that they will spend the rest of their life searching the scriptures, the holy word of God, and grow in Christ and be used and do a great and mighty work for him. We just want to encourage you today. We want to continue the series on who God is. Who is Jesus? You know, when we say God, the world has created, um, people out there in the world have cr created millions of gods. So I like to specify the God that I'm teaching about is Jesus Christ. That's why we felt the, the Lord told us to name this broadcast, I Believe in Jesus, so that there is no confusion in who we recognize as the Lord of our life the one and only true God that we bow before and that we worship. Amen. Jesus is the love of my life. Amen. Hallelujah. And he loves you. So I will begin the broadcast speaking about who he is, describing the moral attributes and the character of God in that way, which, which relates really to his creation outwardly. So when you become Christ-like, you do not take on those natural attributes or inward characteristics of God. You cannot become infinite as he is or self-sufficient or self-existent or omnipotent. We preached about this taught about this last week or omnipresent however you can take on his moral characteristics as a believer you have been promised that you will be conformed to the likeness of the son of god isn't that awesome romans 8 and 29 says this to us for those god foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers the first characteristic or moral attribute of jesus christ is that he is holy you see he never did sin and he can't sin because he is holy he is god though he came to earth in the form of a man he never stopped being god first peter 1 15 describes him as holy just as he who called you is holy so be holy in all you do for it is written be holy because i am holy so since he's holy he's, he is set apart from sin what he is saying to us here don't choose sin as his child his character is being formed in us he sets us apart he has given us, through the shedding of his blood on Calvary, the power through faith in him and through faith in the name of Jesus and through faith in the blood that he shed, that sin will no longer 
have dominion over us. That doesn't mean we can't sin, but it means that now we have the power through Christ to say no to sin. He sets us apart for his purpose. Amen. And he desires to work that character, that moral character of holiness. Holiness is, is the attribute of Jesus. And it just simply means that people are choosing not to sin. Amen. They're, they're choosing not to sin. Isn't that awesome? So we just give God thanks and we give him praise for that. And we love you, Lord Jesus. And we just lift your name up on high and we thank you for this characteristic. We see you, Lord. When we think of Jesus, we should immediately think of holiness. That's why we have to worship him in spirit and uh, adore him and reverently fear him. He's awesome, God. Righteousness is another characteristic. Absolutely good. He's absolute good. Amen. Righteous are you, O Lord, and your laws are upright. Psalms 119, 137. Since he is righteous, everything he does is right, even on my behalf, and he grants his righteousness to me. Just means he's fair. Righteousness and justice are the foundations of your throne. Psalms 89 and 14. Since he is just, I know that all his rules and judgments towards everyone, including me, will be fair and are fair. He's merciful. He's compassionate. The Lord is gracious, the word of God says, and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. Psalms 116 and 5. Haven't you known Jesus to be very merciful to you? I do. He saved my soul. That's a lot of mercy and grace combined. Amen. And he's been compassionate to me. Since he is merciful, I know that he has compassion on me even when I fail. Isn't that comforting? People, you're listening today and God has come to Jesus Christ himself is just flowing through a, a, a frail earthen clay vessel. But it's him by his spirit that's speaking to you. He loves you. Jesus is gracious. Jesus is righteous. Our God is full of compassion. He has plans to bless you. Plans to prosper you. Plans to heal you. Plans to help you. He's an awesome God and he's an on-time God. Jesus is long-suffering. That means he's patient with us. Oh, thank you, Lord, for that. Second Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but every one of us to come to repentance. Hasn't he been long-suffering with you as you learn his ways, as he teaches you day by day? Jesus loves you, and he's being long-suffering to all those that are listening today, but they haven't accepted him yet as their personal Savior. Jesus hasn't come back because of his long-suffering. Amen? He, he's, he's coming back soon, but he, in his word, says that he's long-suffering towards mankind because he, and he's waiting, and he's, he, he's, he's watching over each and every human being, and he desires that more would be saved. Oh, he's so good. Since his longs, he is long-suffering, 
I know he is patient with my spiritual progress, but I must not take for granted his patience, but deliberately, by deliberately testing it with willful disobedience. That, that's not good. God will not issue his long suffering if we deliberately do what we know not to do. God searches the heart, the motive of the heart. If we just take for granted his grace or take for granted his long suffering and in our heart we're saying, oh, well, God will forgive me. I'll just go ahead and do what I know I shouldn't do according to his word anyway and he'll forgive me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever want to play that mind game with a holy God. If we know to do it according to the word of God, if we know what to do is right according to his word and we willfully do not do it, then we are in danger of God's judgment. He's going to have to correct us. He's going to have to chasten us. So I encourage you, don't ever take advantage of this beautiful attribute, this moral quality of Jesus. His patience are holy also. So you be obedient. And then he's going to be, you strive to obey through the power that he has put within you through the presence of of his life and the Holy Spirit to be obedient. Ask for his grace to obey. And then he will be patient with you and he will help you along the way. Another moral attribute that he has is he's wise. He's perfect in his choices. Psalms 104, 24 says, How many are your works, O Lord? In wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures creations amen since he's wise i can trust him with the decisions of my life knowing that he shares his wisdom with me when i ask proverbs speaks to us in this about this subject proverbs 3 5 and 6 says trust in the lord with all your heart lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths the Amplified verses 5 and 6 say, Lean on, trust in, be confident in the Lord with all your heart and mind, and do not rely on your own insight or understanding. In all your ways, know, recognize, and acknowledge him, and he will direct and make straight and plain your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes, verse 7 says. Reverently fear and worship the Lord, and turn entirely away from evil. Amen? And then... God will help you, guide you, and direct you to the right decision. Since he's all wise God and knows everything and knows what tomorrow holds, I can trust him to help guide me in the right decisions of my life, knowing that he shares his wisdom with me when I ask. He's good. God is good. God is good. That's another moral attribute. He's pure in motive, that means. Romans 2, 4 says, do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards repentance? Since he is good, I know his working in my life is always for my good. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. You know, we should never take advantage 
of his kindness, his tolerance, or his patience, as I just said previously when we were describing his beautiful long-suffering. We should never take it for granted. We should bow ourselves humbly and thank him for it, but never take it for granted or take advantage of it. He will not tolerate that. The next attribute that he has is wrathful. That means he's a wrathful God. What does that mean? So many people misunderstand this. That means that he hates sin. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. That's Romans 1.18. Jesus is holy, therefore he hates sin because sin is unholy. It's the opposite of God. Sin means that you've gone against God and his ways and against his character. So since he is wrathful towards sin, I should want to run from it, correct? I know that he must judge sin in my life and in the lives of those that I love. He must punish unrighteousness. However, the full wrath of my sin was poured out on his son at Calvary. God's wrath is also a justified anger against that which should harm me jesus knows if we follow sin we will not reap the benefits of his promises he wants to bless his children jesus is truthful pure in word faith and knowledge rest on the hope of eternal life which god who does not lie promised before the beginning of time his word is true. How can people believe that the word of God is not true? All you have to do to test whether it's true is do what it says. Hallelujah. Repent of your sins, accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and you will see how true the word of God is. You will be changed because you have chosen to believe in the word of God. Jesus said only the truth will set you free. So I encourage you, believe in the word of God. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit, written through vessels of mankind, but came from Jesus himself. For Jesus says in the holy word of God, in the book of John, as I turn quickly there, he says that he is the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. Jesus Christ is the word of God. So when people say they don't believe in the Bible, then they don't believe in Jesus, for he is the word. Is that right? Jesus is faithful, true to promises. If we are faithless, he will remain what? He will remain faithful. For he cannot disown himself. That's one of his characteristics. He's faithful. He will cause you to be faithful. That's not your faithfulness. That's his faithfulness in you. Since he is faithful, I know I can count on him to do what he says he will do. Faithfulness. Jealous. Unwilling to share what is rightfully his. Do not worship any other god. For the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Now, that's a holy jealousy. 
because he can't be anything else but holy. Why would he have the right to be jealous? When we read in the Bible, if we're jealous because we're human, that jealousy is unclean. But God has the right to have a holy jealousy because he died for you. He's saying, don't worship any other God. No other God died for you. Jesus Christ died for you. He bore your sins. He suffered greater than we can even comprehend just for you. So he has the right to have a holy jealousy over our soul. So since he is a has a holy jealousy, I know he should have first place in my heart and my life. Many times we feel that jealousy is a negative emotion. It is interesting, however, that God refers to himself many times as a jealous God. The difference is that jealousy in a human being, as I just said, is an ugly emotion because it signifies ownership and expresses selfishness. However, it is entirely appropriate in God because he does own us. He is our creator. He is totally un, without selfish motive. He is our creator. He is totally without selfish motive. Loving, seeking another's best, doing the most positive, selfless, and redemptive thing possible for another. He's a loving God, even though he has the right to be jealous because he died for us. He doesn't want us worshiping another God because then we're going to end up in hell. He's jealous over your soul. He wants you in heaven. Amen. He's loving. He's an awesome, loving God, seeking another's best, doing the most positive thing for that person, selfless, no motive for self-gain in God's love. He's redemptive, and he loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, who, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. John, 1 John 3.16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Jeremiah 31 and 3, the Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. Since he is loving, I know that he cares and that nothing can separate me from his love. And he always has my best interests in mind. He still loves us even when we willingly choose to disobey. But he hates the sin. And he will correct us. Jeremiah 9, 24. I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. Jeremiah 9, 24. I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. He exercises kindness. He exercises love towards you. He exercises his fairness, his righteousness. He's good to you. How many of us know the book of Psalms says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord, he is good. How many of us remember that? Even in the hard times, we need to meditate more as God's body on the face of the earth, on the written word of God. Because meditation brings you into an attitude of thanksgiving. Amen. God is good, isn't he? Hasn't he been kind to you? Hasn't he been awesome to you? Of course he has. He loves you. Even when you were in your rebellion, 
God was good to you. Is that right? You know he was because he could have taken you out and not allowed you to even live long enough to get saved. God is kind and loving and true and and he wants you to be strong. He doesn't want you to give up. He wants you to understand who he is and that he will not change and that he's working. Glory to God. The goodness of God is is awesome to meditate upon. In Psalms 25 and 8, it says, Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore will he teach sinners in the way. He will draw them to repentance by being good to them when they know they don't even deserve goodness. God will manifest himself, and he will draw them to repent of their sins by seeing how merciful he is. His mercy is holy and it's beautiful. Psalms 33 and 5 said, He loveth righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Psalms 34 and 8, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. Nehemiah says, Nahum says 1, 7, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows them that trust in him. And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good, but one that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Know in whom you believe. Be fully persuaded, as Paul said to Timothy, from prison gates and prison bars. He said that he was fully persuaded that his God was able Glory to God to keep him. Listen to that scripture, 2 Timothy 1 and 12. For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Wow. Paul from the prison said he wasn't ashamed. You know, a lot of people, if they'd have been thrown in prison for doing good, they might have been turned around and been ashamed that they even preached the gospel because they couldn't understand why their God would allow such a thing. But God had manifested himself to Apostle Paul. And Apostle Paul, I believe this with all my heart, meditated on the attributes of his God. Therefore, he knew him, which if you know your God will give you greater understanding and faith will increase in your life. If you meditate on who Jesus Christ is, you will be strong and you will not be discouraged and you will not give up so easy and you will not go into confusion so easy. See, he was in prison awaiting on his death, his execution. And he said, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. So, Lord, I just pray in the closing of this teaching for all my brothers and sisters in the Lord that are listening around the world, I pray, Jesus, that they will be strengthened, that they will get their mind back on who you are, Jesus, that you are a God that cannot change and you are a God that cannot lie and you are keeping your promises to them. I pray for their strength. I pray for the healing of sickness and disease that has come and put them in bondage, all manner of affliction. I pray for them God to meditate upon your promises to meditate upon your characteristics I pray Jesus that the word that you have sent today is strengthening them 
And I pray, Lord God, that we will learn to use that powerful weapon of thanksgiving in our lives for when darkness comes, we need to just begin to meditate on how good you are and we will begin to give you thanks. And we will thank you for who you are. We will never thank you for evil. You would never have us do that. But you would have us to always thank you for who you are, for all that you have done, for all that you have promised that you will do. You have promised to get your people through the fiery trials. You have promised to be with them. You have promised that you will never leave them, that you will never forsake them. And I thank you for that, God. Encourage my brothers and sisters out there that are going through such difficult trials. I know that you're a God that keeps his word. And the word of God that comes to me, Lord, in closing is James chapter 4 and verse 8. That if we draw 7 and 8, that if we draw close unto God, if we're in subjection to God, oh, and we draw close to our God, he will draw near to us. And if then if we resist the devil, he will have to flee. I bind the enemy from my brothers and sisters in Christ, and I loosen the anointing of God, a hunger and thirst for your word, an anointing to meditate on your word of God, to just sit and ponder it in their hearts, and that they will begin to be able to thank you for who you are, knowing that you will keep your word. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but you shall deliver them out of all of them. So God bless you, my brothers and sisters. We love you from over here in the United States of America. We need your prayers so much in these last times. Pray for us. Pray for us as your brothers and sisters in the Lord. That the church of Jesus Christ, the real church, rises up and, oh my, comes back to truth. God bless you. Till next. Lord willing, next week on the I Believe in Jesus broadcast a little bit more about who he is. God bless.